Hello, and welcome to the Neff Canyon Ward podcast. My name is Tyler Slade, and I'm excited to bring you all the cool people of our neighborhood and ward. The goal of this podcast is for all of us to get to know each other better, to create unity through sharing our experiences with others in the gospel. Well, hello there. Good evening or good morning or good afternoon whenever you're listening to this wonderful podcast. Today, we're in the Campbell's home, uh, Tom and Kim Campbell. And for those of you that uh, live under a rock and don't know that Kim, Kim's parents are Tom and Barbara Frederick. <laughs> yeah. dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Taking over the cove. Got a couple up here. That's good. Yeah. More than that. Um, anyways, it's awesome to be here. We got uh, Tom Fredericks with me as well. No Gary today. He's slacking. And we are in their new digs. And we have a view of the valley. And it's awesome. It's good to be here. How are you? Good. Okay. Good. Good. Yeah. Good. Well, um, we want to start off. And let's start with Tom. Um, Tom, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about what your story is, your, your, where you, were, you grew up and school and all that fun stuff. Well, I grew up pretty close. It was on the west side of the boulevard, just down between Wasatch Elementary and Upland Terrace. So rather close and actually grew up with my brother-in-law, Tom Frederick. We're the same age, so we went to Skyline together. Oh, okay. And after Skyline, I went on a mission to Chicago and then came home, went to Salt Lake Community College then University of Utah, where I graduated. Okay. So backing up here, um, you play football at Skyline? Uh, my sophomore year, I did. Okay. That was it. All right. And then you were done. I didn't play any Little League, didn't when, play any of that. When just... you talked to Patriarch Tom about getting married, I mean, that was probably one of the questions. Did you play football? Uh, he would have known. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> he, he was a wrestler. So okay. he says yeah. wrestlers were much wrestler. tougher than football players. All right, and that's true. I believe that. I didn't wrestle because of that reason. So, Okay, so you wrestled in high school. I did. Which weight class? 138. Okay. Little. <laughs> I was six foot tall, 138. Wow. <laughs> there was not much of me. But that's what you like to do. Well, that's what I did. Okay. All right. I love it. I love it. So you grew up close. Go to Skyline, and then you go to uh, Chicago. Tell us about Chicago. Chicago was amazing. Uh, I served in a lot of different areas. I rode my bike through Cabrini Green, hmm. big, a big uh, ghetto, I guess you could call it. Yeah. I lived in Gary, Indiana, which was worse than Cabrini Green. Gary's rough. <laughs> yeah. Gary's rough. But uh, it was great. The people were amazing. I, I don't think it really matters where you serve. You just find amazing people. Yeah. And it was the best mission, I'm sure. Yeah. And it was the right one for me. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So then you come home. You go to uh, uh, University of Utah. What did you study there? Economics. Economics. Yep. Economics. What in the world? Wait a minute. Economics. Go. Come on. Give us more. <laughs> It was the quickest way out of college. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you do to prepare for the explosives business. Because <laughs> like you go interview at an explosive company and so no. <laughs> I had married Kim. Okay. And I had a job opportunity for my father-in-law to head over to Africa, mm -hmm. and I needed to get done with school because I was a very I wasn't very focused on school. I was... Uh, focused on Kim. Focused on Kim and having fun, and that was a little... Snowboarding. Too much. Okay, and, and so now it's coming out. Snowboarding and four-wheeling. Yep. So you love to do fun stuff on the mountain? Yes. Okay. Yep. And I was a little too focused on that and not schooling. All right. So... I so, got done with that. Is talk to the counselor, say, "How do I get out of here?" And I think I did uh, two years in. It was quarters back then. And I did it in two quarters. It's taking twenty-five and twenty-eight hours of 
school per quarter. Shows you what you can do when you're motivated, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so was there like some sort of requirement? I had to get graduated before I could head out. Okay. All right. And I'm still trying to debate whether he was just trying to get rid of me or that he believed in what I could do. All right. <laughs> I believed in Tom. But he, his he, dad, he was also a big scouter. His dad was a huge, as yeah. a youth. Yeah. Big into scouting. Really? Like, yeah, he went on the jamboree. Yeah, tell us many any, times. any fun scouting stories. So, we didn't really have a normal scout troop that did camps around here. Yeah. We would always go somewhere else. Okay. We have been on the coast up at Camp Merriweather in Oregon. We've been at uh, Priest Lake in Spokane, Washington area. We've been over to Catalina Island at Camp Cherry Valley. And I think the most memorable one was Camp Cherry Valley because it put all these kids that are from the land on a boat to go over to an island. They had to close down the back galley because there were so many kids throwing up off the back of the boat. Oh, man. <laughs> were you one of them? Oh, yeah. I was definitely <laughs> one of them. <laughs> that was back when you could go crazy places. Yeah, it was. Right? Yep. I think it must have been you that killed that along the, across the whole church. Probably. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. <laughs> Uh, his dad was an amazing scouter. That's kind of his legacy, it would is you say? kind of his legacy yep. in, that, in yep. that neighborhood down there, that East, yeah. East Mill Creek area, everyone knows. Bud Campbell. Kind of like uh, maybe Mont up here. Yeah, it was. Mahoney's. Yeah. Yep. We did uh, three jamborees, and one of them was a world jamboree. So Where was, was that? Uh, both of the in-state ones were back in Virginia. Okay. And then Alberta, Canada for the World Jamboree. Well, that had to have been a treat. The World Jamboree was really cool. I mean, literally scouts from all across the world. Yep. Wow, that's awesome. That would be cool. Okay, so you still snowboard? I do. Yeah, so what do you do for fun now? Snowboard and... Chase my kids. Chase your kids. And try to make my wife happy. All right. Oh, <laughs> really? He, he, he loves to work on cars. He loves uh, Toyotas. Land cruisers? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I'll forgive you for the Toyota stuff, but... <laughs> well, it's really hard, hard to find a patrol. It is hard to find a patrol, but you have to admit, those are cool, too. Those are cool. All right. But they're hard to find. Okay, but they're cool. They are cool. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> That's the Nissan pitch. <laughs> <laughs> but we do have a... Kim has a cousin that had a patrol. Really? Yeah. John. Oh, John, yeah. Let it, and they, he let it slip out the door somewhere? He let it slip out the door somewhere. That's too bad. Yeah, they're fantastic. Um, I'm helping with the new patrol, by the way, design it in Japan. Oh, really? Yeah, we're working on an all-new one. Super cool. Is it going to be industrial, or is it going to still go to the frou-frou that everyone's going to? Well, let's just say I'm on a non-disclosure agreement, <laughs> and I'd have to, like, terminate this podcast and kill you. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> more to come, more to come. But just know that the federal regulations make it hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I digress. Let's get back to what's important here. Uh, we're not going to talk about the cars. <laughs> but you got me going on cars. I'm like, let's talk about cars. Sorry. Sorry. Okay, so you like to work on cars, four-wheeling. What, like, do you have quad runners? Or? We do have some. Do you? Yeah. Those aren't the... I guess when Kim says four-wheeling, it's more of like going down to Moab and oh yeah, take the land full cruisers size and full-size four-wheeling, yeah. going camping in the backcountry and things like that. Bring so, some of the young men and destroy Seth Sunderland's track. And yes. Okay, this is beautiful. Yeah, so you're talking like outdoors, scouting, four-wheel driving, I mean, anything in the mountains. This yeah. is, okay, so this is who you are. This is awesome. I'm all in on that stuff. No wonder you. I'm not the level of Bruce. Okay. Because he still kills me on whatever hike we go on. You're not going to climb this side of Mount Olympus? We already did. He just did with the youth. It, mm. Nobody. It, it, that hike lasted three days for me. Really? Yeah, because that's I how was, long it took. I was recovering after. <laughs> <laughs> so it can be done, though. 
They can be done. It's brutal. It's it. Yeah, there's no trail. There's a route. And at any time, did you feel like you were, there was peril and danger and like, no, no, there was just cool. Yeah. Cool and hard. Yeah. Awesome. But he doesn't know danger. If I'd been there, I would have said yes. Yeah. (laughs) I've been on the top of a mountain with him and he's in Tevas. Yeah. And I'm just hugging the mountain with my hiking boots. Yeah. You're crying with your binky in your mouth and he's like, what's wrong? (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kim, let's shift over to you. We need to hear... Um, a little bit about uh, the same stuff, but your turn. Okay. Well, I, I was born in Indiana, but my parents moved here, I think, when I was one years old. So in 1976. Mm-hmm. What part of Indiana? Um, Franklin, Indiana is where I was born. Okay. Yeah, we lived in uh, just south of Indianapolis, in okay. a suburb, actually. All right. Um. So they bought the home here up in Park, on Parkview that they live in now. Um, so I was raised in the Mount Olympus North Stake when it was two which states was up which here. Which ward at the time? And we were in the 8th ward. In the 8th ward. Um, so it's, um, it was an awesome ward to be raised in. I mean, um, I think as a youth you probably don't appreciate the people that do so much for you. But as an adult and having kids of my own, you certainly have an appreciation. I mean, we had the Spence and Jill Clark who lived on Larry's Way and um, Sharon Richards who formerly in the Scots home, um, Shirley Hart, um, Jenny Baldwin, um, just some of my leaders who, I mean, Paul Halliday, I remember spending a lot of time in the summer on his boats. Bill Edwards, you know, just so many people that had such a huge impact just loved, on my life. Just loved you. Yeah. And I probably wasn't very good to them. The DeVores, Greg DeVore was our Sunday school teacher who lives, who lived in the home that the Stags are remodeling right now next door. Yeah. He was our Sunday school teacher and he motivated us to read the Book of Mormon and would take us to dinner if we kept on track. And, um, we went to Lakai. We went to Benihana. He took us to really nice restaurants and we weren't very good to him. I remember we'd throw pencils at the door when he was in there ready to teach. And anyway, we were little punks, but he, he showed us unconditional love and was so good to us. Wow. That's why. So, it's a great war. So it's so fun to be back and see Shirley Hart, who, yeah. you know, had such an impact on me and. Is that one of the reasons that you were drawn back to the ward in this area? Oh, yes. I loved it up here. I've yeah. always wanted to be up here. So, anyway, we just feel lucky that we got this house. How did that happen? Um, Nate? Nate. I mean, I lo- we looked at this home eight years ago. With, mm-hmm. where I guess it would have been now ten or so years ago before the Wilsons bought it. Mm-hmm thinking that my mom and dad should buy it because it's a rambler with master on the main and yeah easier my mom and my mom came through with i came through and we came anyway and my mom just thought it was too much needed too much work but as i left the home i thought wow that's a great house i'd love to buy this home but we were in the middle of remodeling our home down below the boulevard so we couldn't make it happen but so then when it came back on the market, um, Nate said, just go look at it. And we did, and we put an offer in that day, and um, we somehow got it. I know my mom sent a text to Hope Beckel, so I think yeah. maybe that helped. So um, That's I don't awesome. know. I feel like it's a miracle that we got this house because yeah. I know it was a, a lot of people wanted it. I, don't, I didn't know what it looked like in... in until you guys got in here and started killing, chopping, and taking trees down. And it's like, okay, this is really cool. And now it's just awesome. No, it's a good house. I think the couches you're sitting on have been here for 40 years. Does anybody know who <laughs> built this house? The Jensen's. Yeah, he was an engineer. Electrical. In, pardon me? Electrical engineer. Electrical engineer, and he really, I think, 
built it to last a lifetime. We have the level that he took around and checked every two by four to make sure that it was correct. Really? Yeah. Like these are still beams up mm. through the, and we have still beams under us in the root, in the ceiling. Yeah, which, I mean, back in the early 60s, that was a luxury. Yeah. Huh. Oh, so we feel super lucky. So, so I went to Skyline. Okay. Um, I um, played volleyball. Volleyball. Um, and then... At, did you do any more volleyball after Skyline or...? Um, I was on the path to. Yeah. Um, but then I tore my ACL. Oh. Um, the summer before my junior year, I was down traveling with the junior Olympic team and I tore my ACL. And I was on the path, you know, to go play at the U. Yeah. Um, Beth and Jana were my coach. Well, Beth wasn't my coach, but Beth's a, Beth is the head coach at the U. And so kind of my plan was to go play there. Um, but then I tore my ACL and um, my path changed. Yeah. Um, I wanted to play, but I tried to keep playing with a torn ACL. And then once I had my ACL fixed... And a year later, I wasn't the same player. I, I hesitated because of the fear of hurting my knee. It was always in the back of your mind. Yeah. I got to tell you a quick story, though. Yes. Um, she was at Churchill. And uh, it was during, during the time when our boys were playing football. And they were coming home with trophies, you know, mm -hmm. with their chest out. And, oh, yeah. I'm the man. And so we had these trophies, you know, they're about 12, 14 inches tall sitting around the house. And uh, when Kim was at Churchill, she was named the most outstanding female athlete. Okay. And she came home with a trophy about three feet tall. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the boys were pretty jealous of they that They took trophy. exception to that, didn't they? <laughs> I love so. it. I love it. Okay, so uh, what what do you do for fun, Kim? Any um, fun hobbies or? I love to hike. Um, I love to walk with. I see out some every friends. morning, almost uh, um, out in the neighborhood. Um, I love to think of ideas to to do stuff to the house. Okay, let's. Tom's let's, just not making them happen quite as fast as I want him to. Let's dig into this for a second. Um, so you like to think of ideas maybe about this house and yeah, what's going to happen? Maybe to you know, the I, I have great ideas of spending money. I'm really good at. Um, hmm. But it's kind of like the book if you give a moose a muffin because if I fix something, then that involves. A lot more things. Because as you notice, I have a front window that has a, a big hole in it. <laughs> it's not broken through the second window. so. Mm. But I just don't know if that window is going to stay that size. So I don't want to replace oh, it Oh, I got you. But I got so, you. Notice. Well, you might sometime. I didn't notice, but so, now everybody's anyway, going to notice. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's going to so notice. So that's... I'm coming over to look at that hole. <laughs> no, so... No, I have lots of things that I, I love going to my kids' sporting events. I love... How many kids? Learning from other people. Just seven. Just seven. Yeah. Yeah. I thought to marry a Frederick, you had to sign a contract for minimum of eight. Like I said. I wanted We are more producers. And he was... He shut he it down? He finally put the ultimatum after David was born. It's either me or more kids. <laughs> and it was, it was a tough... <laughs> Trust me, she's telling the truth. It was a tough decision. I really, I really wanted like ten, and now that my youngest just turned fourteen, it's yeah, it's but it's good. It's good too in, because in the end, she got eight. I do. I have eight right <laughs> That's here. That's true. Yeah, I would agree with that. You got a bonus. <laughs> I don't know if I wanted that bonus. <laughs> so. All right, so you like to stay active as well. I always see you hiking around the neighborhood. It's a great neighborhood to hike in because you got all the hills. No, it is. It's a great neighborhood. So. Right. Okay, so now tell us how you guys met. Um, well, um, we met up at the University of Utah. So Tom's six years older than I am. 
Okay. Um, five and a half, he would say, but... Um, Roundup, always. Yeah, anyway. Six. So... Um, I'm with you. I, when I went to the U, I got asked by Doug Smith, who's Ken and Carol Smith's son, okay. to be on the LDS um, outreach committee. Okay. Um, so uh, we were putting on an activity up at the Institute to try to get people from all over to come, and it wasn't very successful. No one came. Um, and so my friend Lori Gardner, who was my best friend, her and I kind of started running through the Institute building trying to get people to come. And Tom was one of the guys hanging around. Mm -hmm. So my group of friends. And Lori Gardner's friend, her brother Tim, and Tom were good friends. So, so he came um, and we met. So We danced. <laughs> anyway, so then... He asked me, he called a friend of mine and asked for my phone number and Was that asked me on a date. How off, how, how, when after the first meeting did you get the number and make well, your move? I, I don't really move slow. Okay. But it was so the it next was, day. It was the next day. <laughs> kind of like buying this house. <laughs> it just, yeah. 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 All right. So the next day you get the number, you call her up and say, Hey, remember me? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, see, part of I'm trying to get the youth to listen to this, and I'm figuring if maybe we give them some pickup lines, they might be more apt. So, what would you pick up? Oh them? gosh, <laughs> don't, you don't want his pickup lines. <laughs> I think Jack Frederick might have the best pickup lines. Oh, we need to get Jack on here. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, but so we went on our first date. Um, was probably the most memorable date I ever, I had ever been on. Okay, um, do tell. But he came and picked me up, and he was in like those uh, moccasin slippers. Okay. So that was kind of a red flag for my mom, thinking she was slippers, a little, a little casual. Are you going to go take a nap? So he came and picked me up, and we drove up to Snowbird. What car was he in? Do you remember? He was in a CJ7, a Jeep. Okay. He is um, a car guy, all right. So we drove up there, we met a bunch of other people, and one of the people in the group's father or someone owned a piano store. So we had a huge piano box. And we hiked up to the top of Big Emma. Okay. We're all in our snow clothes, and we all climbed in the piano box and started sledding down Big Emma. Come on. And so if you know, like in a piano box, you start to go to the bottom of the box and you... Don't know where you're going. You can't see. So it was scary. It was adventurous. It was probably everything that I liked. Yeah. But I had heard that Tom was kind of a mover. And so, <laughs> so I, I kept, because oh, then we were hiking through the trees at some points, and he was like, hey, come here. And I'm like, oh, I'm good. I'm just going to keep hiking. So I didn't give him the, anyway. So he, you were one over with a piano box. Well, that, it was just so fun. It wasn't the typical, like, let's go to dinner and watch a movie. Okay, now, time out. Tom, where did you come up with this idea? Who came up with this idea? We had a lot of these types of ideas. <laughs> because I'm just thinking, like, you're sitting around a campfire at Scouts. Hey, what do you I think it is? That I had buddies that move piano? pianos, and <laughs> we had already been sledding and snowboarding at night and doing all this, and that was the next up. <laughs> So you go down a hill in a box and you can't see anything. And there's yeah. about 20 of us in the box. <laughs> so, oh and then the ski my. patrol, are out, they're out looking for us. So that's why we ran into the trees. So Why were they looking for you? Because you weren't supposed to be there? <laughs> we were supposed to be there. They just got through grooming. Well, the piano box could technically help them be grooming. I mean, it's smooth, <laughs> smoothing it out. Yes. I mean, after the piano box, there's no prints or, I mean, it's clean. <laughs> You're just helping them out. Yeah. They didn't like the footprints going up. <laughs> oh, so. that's next level. No, so he was a super fun. That kind of drew me to him. Mm -hmm. And he was also just super respectful. As much as I heard that he was a mover, he, was, he wasn't that way with me. He was um, super respectful. Okay. Anyway, we didn't kiss for several dates. So I loved that. Yeah. I love feeling like we're just going out to have fun and Having be together. Time. Yeah. 
When when did you know like okay, this is this is my guy. Um. Well, we started dating. I think like in September, maybe. No, it had to been winter. It was so. winter. It was like November. And then, um, I know that my mom was worried about Tom's intention, so she asked him once. That we came home from skiing. Me. Yeah. We were loading our skis. I was putting my skis away, and my mom came out and asked Tom what his intentions were. And my and Tom said to Barbara that they were good, and she was very <laughs> impressed with his answer. Hmm. So, um, but then we we talked about getting married. And as I listened to a few other podcasts, he was a little more nervous yeah. to get married. Yeah. I remember my dad said to me, if he's not ready, you just need to move on. And, and she told me that. Mm-hmm. And then I think he proposed to me pretty soon after. So then we got married in September. Um, so awesome. dated a little under a year, I guess. A little under a year. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's really so. cool. Do you remember Tom? Other Tom coming and talking to you about this? Does any, anything ring a bell there? Uh, not a whole lot, uh, except that, uh, you know, I, I saw, when I, when I met Tom, I thought, well, he's really a good, he's such a solid guy. But he probably didn't have focus. And from my perspective, didn't yeah. have focus. Yeah, because he was off. And uh, in piano I boxes, could, you know, his focus was on Kim, but it wasn't necessarily that he had a track to run yeah. on after that. Yeah. And so uh, awesome. he had so much talent. It was just uh, putting it together and moving it forward. And he's done that with his life very well. Awesome. So you get married and you wrestle over how many kids you're going to have and Tom wins and you lose. That was ongoing campaigns. Yeah. So yeah. I, um, I had my first child, uh, Tommy. We had him pretty quick. We'd only been married six months. Mm-hmm. And I was pregnant. Not, we didn't have a baby six months <laughs> after. <laughs> um, he was excited because he's 27 now at this point. Okay. And I'm 21. So yeah. I probably wasn't ready. But um, so we had a little boy. And um, my dad came to me shortly after and said, Kim, you're so close to being done with school. I was in the business program up at the U. And so he said, I'm going to have Lisa, my, my older sister, babysit Tommy. Yeah. So you can go finish. Awesome. Which probably at the time I probably didn't appreciate. Sure. But. Because you were square being a mom at that point. I certainly am so grateful now. Yeah. So I have a finance degree from the U. Awesome. Um, and certainly wouldn't have had it if my dad didn't push me to go back. I love that. So, so you went and got it done and got your finance degree. Yeah, and then I had Ashley a month after I graduated. Awesome. So. That's fantastic. And then I we love moved that. to Africa. So. Moved to Africa? Yeah. Because of, okay, so now we got to talk about your jobs. So you end up working in economics. Not. <laughs> Not. <laughs> no. Tell us about your career. So, I'll talk about the first real job. I always had the little kid jobs before, but I started working for a company called Chemico in Mali, West Africa, and we were doing explosives. And so I was hired to uh, do logistics and try to get chemicals from the ports of Accra and the ports of Senegal to the different mines in Mali. We were actually doing cyanide and explosives. Hmm. And it was an adventure every day. Awesome. How yep. long were you there? Two and a half years. Okay. Yep. Then we you were... had a different opportunity back over here? Or... Uh, when I came home, there wasn't much opportunities. So I started working for a company called Highline, selling nuts and bolts and wire connectors out of a van. Hmm. And that got me into then working for Lake City International, selling big trucks. Diesels. Yep. And then down down in Glendale. Yeah. 
real close to where I grew up. Okay. I was on the other side of the golf course. Very good. Yeah. Yep. So when I started, they just moved from that location out to California. Okay. Right off of California. Yep. But then that, that got me into another opportunity of starting a explosives distributorship for a company I work for now, which is Austin Powder. Mm-hmm. And it just has gone from there. So you've been with this company how long? I have four years. Four years. Yep. How long were you selling trucks? Six. Six. Well, you had that distributorship for how many years before you sold it? Fifteen years. Okay. Yeah, see, so he's been in explosives a long time. He okay. Had his, he had his own company. He's, okay, so he had yeah. then he sold that company. Sell that and then went to work. Yeah. Correct. Okay. They were people that uh, we've known for years and years. A great company, Austin Powder, that he works for now. Great people. And really good people. And they uh, hired Tom and he offered him a distributorship. And then he built that up and yeah. sold it to them. And Great. Yeah, Tom's a super hard worker. That's uh, one of uh, just an amazing quality he has. Yeah. Got it seems like you've just always got to be moving, don't you? It helps. Yeah, I love it. So we're going to switch gears a little bit um, and and talk about um, spiritual journeys. And uh, I, I love to hear the members of the ward and, and how they articulate their conversion and, you know, how they've, you know, grown to where they are with their testimonies and what that looks like. Um, Tom, why don't we start with you? I mean, tell us about your conversion to the gospel. You know, I've, I don't know if you call it a luxury or a blessing, but I've, I've always known that it's true. I've never really questioned it. I was just, I don't know if it was faith or if it was just a knowledge. I've just always known it's true. Yeah. So going on my mission, it helped me understand it better. Because I really, you know, like, most missionaries at that time going out, we didn't have as much mission prep. We didn't have as much emphasis on, on actually learning. So my first time reading the Book of Mormon was on my mission. And that really um, was an amazing time in my life. And so that really solidified it. And then you were always married, planning on going on a mission. Yeah. I mean, it was just what you It do. was just what was going to happen. But it wasn't really an expectation. No. For him. So really impressive that he chose to go. Yeah. But after the mission, came home and started dating and ended up luckily marrying Kim. Mm-hmm. It was my best sales pitch ever in my life. There's no doubt. <laughs> but going through, you know, it always hasn't been a straight path, but one that I have always known I need to be on. So I'm, I'm very fortunate to be where I'm at and to be who I'm with and the family that I have. It's, it's been an amazing life journey and I'm hoping that it keeps continuing to be as amazing as it's been. What is it like um, to have your, your kids, you know, choose to serve missions and, you know, follow in that same footstep? My kids are so much better than I am that it's amazing to see them, how mature they are when they go in the mission and how amazing they come out. Uh, I, I just wish that I had started off on the level that they're at. Because mm-hmm. the, the missions have done amazing things for them. They're, I always wait when they go on a mission. I wait for that one email yeah. when they relate that someone has just stopped them and asked them why they're glowing. Yeah. 
because they have the spirit in them so strong that they just radiate. Yeah. And it's happened every single missionary. Hmm. We've had four mission. Well, yeah, we've had four missionaries so far, and every single one has related that same story. And it's just amazing to see them grow and become who they are. And I, I love it. We've been in two stakes now, mm-hmm. and we've had two come home in this stake. And I love how President Young always tells them that it's not coming home and changing and getting back to where you were. Sure. It's coming home and being who you are and moving forward. And that's exactly what they've done. They've kept the spirit of their mission, brought it into their lives and moved forward. So it's, it's just been amazing. What would you tell uh, youth that might be listening to this, thinking about you know mission and and you know if it fits in their future? What 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 would you what advice would you give them? To me personally, I would tell them that it fits in their life. Yeah, they may not think it fits in their life, but it does. Why? Well, it is the best way to set a pattern for the future. You know, they're, they're sitting there with a 19, 18, 19-year-old 19 mind, and they're thinking of stuff here. They're not thinking 40 years out, 50 years out. They have an opportunity to not only serve the Lord, to bring happiness to others, but to bring that happiness and that gospel and that spirit into their lives for the rest of their lives. There is no better opportunity to set the path for your life than on a mission. So I have to pause and identify the spirit because it just hit me pretty hard. Um, Tom, you're, you're speaking a lot of truth. That's very certain to me. So thank you. It's wonderful to hear that, to feel it. More than hear it, to feel it. Kim, tell us about your conversion to the gospel? Um, well, I think uh, in my life I've been blessed to um, have wonderful parents. Um, uh, and then I had amazing grandparents. Um, my grandma, my mom's mom, who was um, the one who let the sister missionaries in, um, she was close to our family because she would come up and help um, my mom once a week. And um, I think being around her and hearing her story, hearing my dad's story um, of their conversion to the church, it's so close to home. Um, I count that as a huge blessing in my life. I think too often people who are fifth, sixth, seventh generation members forget forget those feelings of conversion that their first ancestor had. I think for me that's been a huge blessing um, to have it be so close to me and people that I love and care about so much. Um, that's where to me it's such a testimony of family history because to know their story it can change you. Um, but I would say that I'm similar to Tom and have just always known in my heart that it's true. I think I have a believing heart. Um, I'm not one who questions many things. Um, of course, there's certain things I think we all don't understand as the church has grown. Um, but I, it's easy for me to put some of those things on the shelf. Um, and build on the things that I do know and the things that I have felt in my life. Um, we've, had the, we've been fortunate enough to go back to Nauvoo since my parents have a place fairly close. Um, and just the spirit that I felt, the testimony that I have of Joseph Smith is... I, I guess I feel like it's unbreakable when 
I know that he was a prophet and knowing that just and never questioning I've never questioned that I've, I feel the spirit every time I even say his name and know that he was a prophet and I feel like I I just don't I just don't question it I've I think in life I always look at the little things, the little blessings in my life. Um, I think if we all have an, a positive outlook of our blessings, there's something every day if we are looking for it. If we're looking for negative things, we'll find that every day too. Um, but I just know that my life has been so blessed. Um, and the gospel has definitely brought those blessings about. And I, my kids are, I think we have great kids. Um, two of our kids have met their spouses on their missions. So if that's one plug for young men to serve missions, yeah. they might meet a girl that's far better than them that will marry them because they served a mission. So. Well, the Spirit's cooking now. So... This this is you're spot on and and I've been impressed to ask you this question for someone who might be listening to this that is maybe struggling with their faith. Um, what would you tell them? Um, I think I'd ask them why they're struggling. Um, I'd. Um, maybe. They're just struggling, let's say they just struggle with, with maybe just their faith in, maybe it's church history, it's just things are bugging them. You talked about putting stuff on the shelf and your gift of being able to keep focused on what, what's got you here. Like, I think, though, like, for example, blacks in the priesthood. I don't understand it. Um... But I, it's not, it hasn't been my struggle in my life. And when I look at some of these faithful people that um, are African-American that are solid, they don't question it. How can I? They have every reason to question it, and they don't. So I, I just think we can't look at the past because we weren't there. We didn't live it we may disagree with it but it's not our trial um yeah i don't know i just think we need to look at the now and what are we doing to help build people around us and make people feel included i love that so good just so much good in this house um tom what about Raising a big family in the gospel, you've mentioned four missionaries out. Um, what, and both of you can answer this together, but what, what are some of the things that you feel are important in raising kids in the gospel nowadays? I think we've been very fortunate to have so much family around us, so many cousins around us, that that positive peer pressure is really pushing them to be part of the be yeah. part of the gospel but the other thing is in our house um, there's expectations and those expectations are are held accountable if our kids go to young men young women's they're expected to go they don't necessarily need to have all the choices in the world because we are their parents and we're supposed to help encourage them to be in the right direction. And so that's one thing I think that we've been able to have some success with is encouragement, encouragement over criticism and being able to direct them into the right path so that they can have the experiences to feel the spirit. Because if they don't go to church, they don't have an opportunity to feel the spirit. They don't go to young men, young women's. They don't have the opportunity to gain relationships with other like-minded people. So they need to have those experiences. Uh, we have been blessed with experiences that aren't 
necessarily normal. I, I never in my imagination thought that we would go to Nauvoo and to Liberty Jail and to all these places multiple times. But our kids have had that blessing in their lives. They've been able to put their finger in the door in Liberty Jail or in uh, Carthage Jail to where the bullet came through and took Joseph Smith's life. Yeah. Hiram's. Hiram's. Yeah. Yeah. But it's those opportunities. It's getting the opportunities to feel the spirit. It's crucial, isn't it? It is. To create, not create, but put them in those positions. Yeah. Right? And sometimes you just have to get out of the way. Right. Don't over-engineer it. Don't overthink it. Yeah. Let the spirit do its thing. Kim, anything to add on that? Um, I just think, I think the example that we as parents set for our kids, in my opinion, is the most important thing we can do. Um, I think if I'm not going to church on Sunday, how can I expect my kids to be at church on Sunday? Um, I think that's one thing that I looked at my mom. Literally, she'd have a baby on Wednesday and she'd be at church on Sunday. She never had an excuse to miss church, ever. And I think, I thought it was cute because um, in our ward we had, a, we had an adult parents of youth fireside. Um, and it was cute because my daughter looked at me and said, oh, you have fun at that. Because she was just excited that she wasn't invited to go. But if Tom and I would have said, oh, we're not going to go, then my daughter would have thought, they, she, you know, I think our kids are very aware yeah. of our actions. Absolutely. Every little action that we, if we hold the door for people, if we say hi to people we don't know, I think they pick up on things, even if they think we're annoying, they pick up on. And they should think we're annoying. Our things that we do. So. I love that. I love that. You're right. They're watching. Even when we're not, when we think they're not. They pick up on everything. That's great advice. Well, this has been a treat. Tom, anything else to add before we ask our final question? Well, you know, I've lived with Kimberly for a long time. And there were a lot of experiences that... I think uh, are the sum total of her testimony and uh, I think her life was protected on several occasions. Uh, I think we've heard about that before <laughs> in another podcast, didn't we? we it says that I have it. nine lives. Cause yeah. yeah, but uh, such an outstanding young woman in every way and uh, the other day I was talking to Sharon Richards who she mentioned earlier. And I mentioned to Sharon that Kimberly had been called to be the State Relief Society president. Sharon just broke down and started crying. But it was something that Sharon didn't come unexpected to Sharon because she knew Kimberly as a youth and what her possibilities were. I love that. Well, um, our final question. Um, so, Kim, in a hundred years from now, long after we're gone, and someone's clicked on this podcast that's your posterity, and they start listening. And first of all, how cool would that be if we had that, right? So think about it from that standpoint. You're speaking to someone in your posterity that is listening to you right now, what would you want them to know about your husband, Tom? Um, I would want them to know that Tom was a really hard worker and that he didn't ask anything of anyone that he wasn't willing to do himself. Um, that he didn't care about fashion, that um, 
he, once he started a job, it wasn't done till it was finished. Um, I would say he taught my children how to work, how to work hard. Um, he, through that, he taught people self-worth. Hard work, you learn self-worth. You learn that you are capable of doing hard things. Um, he was a great provider and would do anything he needed to to support our family. And he had a testimony of Jesus Christ and lived his life in a way that they would have been proud. I love it. Tom? You know, you know can I just add one thing about Yeah, please Tom. do. You have a little extra you, We've all heard of the, the Willie Martin Handcart Company. Well, that's where he got his middle name, Thomas Martin Campbell. And so he has a great uh, heritage of ancestry in the church that was dedicated and went through hard times. That's awesome. All right, Tom, you get to answer the same question now. 100 years, they're listening, and they're clicking right now. They're listening to you talk about their great-great-great-grandmother. Well, your great-great-great-grandmother, Kim. <laughs> she is an amazing mother. I don't know of another mother that's dedicated as she is to her kids. She stays up late. She gets up early just to make sure that our kids have what they need and a lot of times what they want. She is an extremely hard worker, extremely focused, intelligent, and a loving mother. And for those listening a hundred years from now, her influence is influencing them right now because of the example she set for our kids. And I am certain that our kids will carry that tradition on well into a hundred years from now. And I'm, my life is blessed just knowing her. I believe that 1000%. That is pure truth. Thank you so much. I love you guys. Thank you.